Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka, and with me today, I've got Chris Harrington from Gen Alpha. Chris, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Damon. I know we get to uh, the pleasure of being together on some other things every week, uh, and this is going to be really nice to just have a conversation one-on-one. Yep, yep. The other stuff we have, we're actually kind of, we're structured a bit, which is good. Uh, <laughs> So today we're just going to have a conversation about growing OEM manufacturing sales with e-commerce. And I, I'm really excited that as I've, I've seen some of the Gen Alpha stuff and, and, and really it's, it's, it's an interesting and, and very practical way for OEMs to really rethink how they deliver information all the way through their, their supply chain into their, uh, repair facilities, distribution channels, down to the end customer. And I, I'm excited to talk about that uh, when we get to it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So All tell me, you, you know, the thing is, Chris, you're, you're the co-founder of Gen Alpha and I am, and, and you're, you're in manufacturing, you're, you're working for some of these companies. Let's talk about your background and really how it came to be that you're working in, in some of these larger manufacturers, and then you decide to go out and start a, a e-commerce platform company. Yeah, well, thanks for that. So uh, where can I start? So, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, I was in the U.S. Navy. So I, uh, I, I always say that I think that there was something um, calling me way back then because I was a machinist mate in the Navy just for, you know, a short time of my life. But it, it formed the building blocks, I'm sure of helping me understand how things mechanically work. And while I, I've never been in service outside of the Navy, I did sell aftermarket parts. I sold large pieces of equipment. And I think just having that basic understanding and that foundation really helped me. Um, I always say that manufacturing kind of chose me. So, uh, and the story behind that is that I was uh, an athlete in school. And I was a decent student, but I was a better athlete than I was a student. But I always wanted to, to, to impress my coaches by being a good academic as well. I think that was part that just really helped me do well in school. But there was a local manufacturing company, and I, I think they still do this today, that they give out an award each year to all the schools in our area, to one female and one uh, male, and they call it the... Um, athlete of the year award and they base it on both your academics and, their, and your athletics and they bring you in they have a nice dinner your parents get to come and coach k was the speaker oh my goodness um, and I, was, I played basketball i played soccer i ran cross country so 
back then you could play three sports. I know it's yeah. a lot different for kids today. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was really powerful for me because that company was the same company when I came back uh, out of the Navy. I gave my resume and I mentioned that I was the athlete of the year. And now I was back from the U.S. Navy and they gave me a role and I worked right there on the shop floor. So this was pre me going to uh, get my education. I was a non-traditional yeah. student, went to Marquette University a little bit later in, in life. In fact, I completed my education in my 30s, but I had gotten all this life experience, you yeah. know, and, and when life was taking me to a certain point, I was realizing that I couldn't grow any further if I didn't have the education. So I really had this opportunity to work in many different areas within manufacturing before I went back and got my education. So um, I went to school, studied finance, so business with um, a major in in finance. And uh, well, I should say I originally was thinking accounting and I looked around the room one day at all the accountants and I said, no, I don't fit here. So I have to find it. So my original role in a large uh, manufacturing company that was servicing the mining industry, uh, the name is Bucyrus International, was as a financial analyst. And I'm so thankful I came into the company as a financial analyst because I was taught to use the ERP system as a tool. Yeah. Not only was it my tool, but I was running reports and data for many different areas of the business. So I didn't start in one specific area where I was only providing information for them. I was providing detailed reports and having to analyze them to find the little nuggets of information that they needed uh, so that I could uh, help them in that area of the business. So. It taught me, you know, to analyze the data in each area of the business. I started to learn very quickly what was important to those leaders in that business. So, you know, the financial team wanted something. The COO wanted something else. The sales VP needed some other type of data. The aftermarket director was looking for another set of detailed data. So by providing the reports, and, and looking through the analysis, I really started to get this uh, this business foundation that was pretty incredible when you start thinking about starting your, your professional career. Uh, and it was really from there, I think uh, I had an opportunity to be useful in many different areas that people started kind of latching onto me and say, hey, would you like an opportunity over here? Yeah. And that was kind of my career inside Bucyrus. I moved from financial analyst to a product manager where I was analyzing a product within our aftermarket business. Mm-hmm. Uh, then over in Canada, they needed a, a, a national parts manager for our entire Canadian operations. And I just raised my hand and said, I'll go. You know, and what's interesting is when I arrived there, because I had come from the corporate office, they thought I had the answer to everything. So now I had, I I was the parts leader in Canada, but I had all these other areas of the business in Canada seeking my advice because I had come from corporate. So I just happened to fall into this space where I just had to keep being this resource, which, which allowed me to have this incredible experience. 
And you um, interacted with so many different the pieces of the business because of that, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it really is the foundation that has helped me. And I promised to get to the story of how we founded Gen Alpha. So, um, <laughs> but well, I've yeah. got some other questions before we get there, but this is great. This is great. Yeah. So, you know, I'm in Canada. I, I have this incredible leader in Canada who his, the way that he sells is to bring the entire team. So he would bring. Our, of course, our sales team, but he would bring the service team. He would bring our manufacturing team and our aftermarket leader all into uh, a, a presentation with the customer. So together, we were selling the value of our business to this customer. He wasn't always alone trying to sell why you wanted to work with Besires Canada. He was saying, you want to work with Besires Canada because of these people and how they're going to support you after you buy our equipment. So I started learning from him how he uh, presented the company and our services and how we could be more useful to the customers. Um, interesting, that was uh, around 2007, 2008, where if you remember that time in history, there were a lot of challenges with supply, yeah. um, similar to what's happening in manufacturing today. And what was happening for us is we were having a higher demand for our products and our lead time kept moving out. So the only way that I could solve and help my customers on the aftermarket side was to really plan with them. So I had to get into the planning uh, and looking at how many hours do you have on your equipment? When are you going to need the parts so that we could back in the lead time and make sure we were ordering in advance of lead time? Um, it wasn't uncommon for us at periods of time to have 20 week, 25 week lead times. And if you're not planning, then the equipment is sitting or yeah. it's being used past its maintenance period, which runs the risk of other uh, yeah. repair challenges. So I really got into that, that maintenance planning uh, while I was in Canada. Um, yeah. Then I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. That I, the the picture is coming together clear and as now. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, Good. yeah. So you know, then I I there was an opening uh, back in the U.S. for the the director of aftermarket parts for the globe. So I stepped into that role, moved back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is actually where I'm from, and now I had an opportunity to oversee the entire uh, aftermarket and implement some of the ideas and things that I saw firsthand in how we were servicing the customers uh, in Canada. So it was a, a really fun and interesting experience for me because I had moved into practical. And then when I came back to corporate, and, and as you know, you've been in business a long time, there are often uh, challenges between corporate and subsidiary, right? Yeah, the subsidiary yeah. is saying, hey, I'm in front of the customer all day long. Corporate, you don't know what you're doing. You're raising the prices. I can't sell for that. You know, your lead times are too long. Well, we have a production challenge, you know. So I lived one experience having come from corporate, came back and got to kind of bring that practical experience into the corporate environment. And I think it, it created... A, a much more well-rounded team because I was able to share the ideas. We even refocused where we weren't just product managers for products, but now our product managers were responsible for a region of the world and helping them grow their sales. So 
their performance was measured not just by the performance of the products, but also the performance of the region. So that uh, tightly aligned us with those regions and ensured that we were supporting them in the best way possible. So yeah. um, after that, had an opportunity to uh, support the team in Brazil to win a, a, a participate in a very large contract with the largest miner in Brazil. And really, this was so important to us that if we didn't win this business, we would have pulled out of Brazil because all of the they they were committing um, all of their business to one vendor. So we really wow. had to put our best foot forward. Um, I was part of that project team, and and uh, we ended up winning the business. Uh, Brazil was a very interesting experience for me, but that got me into equipment sales. So beyond just aftermarket, but now incorporating all the wonderful things I had learned in aftermarket, which big part of the decision process for new equipment is how is that equipment going to be serviced? Mm -hmm. And I think I, I, with the support of the rest of the team was really able to speak to that. And I would credit the uh, leadership that I had back in Canada, who's, who taught me to see past a specific area. So, yeah. um, Spent some time in Brazil. At that time, we started looking at uh, a CRM system because we knew we knew we needed a customer relationship management tool to track all of our opportunities. Because one of the things that we had gotten very good at was trying to analyze our market potential and compare it to our actual sales and identify the gaps so that we could clearly focus in on the areas of opportunity. Now, uh, we thought that a CRM system could help us get there faster because it would be a great way to track those opportunities um, throughout the world. So we went and we, we rolled out Microsoft Dynamics. That was the, the CRM that we had chosen. And right after Dynamics, we started thinking about e-commerce. Uh, and this was 2011 uh, timeframe, 2009, 10, and, and then into 11. Uh, 11 is uh, when the project got pulled because we were acquired by Caterpillar. Um, we had been moving down a process to start implementing e-commerce at Bucyrus. But when we were acquired by Caterpillar, they had already been down their own process. And of course, um, they've already made investments in what they were doing. So our project got ta tabled. And we all went to work for CAT and, and got mm -hmm. a really neat experience. And it, what was wonderful for me there, which I didn't realize how much value it would bring, is that Bucyrus was a direct sales model. So we, we sold through subsidiaries, but we sold direct to customers. Caterpillar, of course, is a distribution model. They work through distribution. So spending two years with CAT, I had an opportunity to understand how do you how do you partner with your distributors to then sell to end users? And what is the difference in that relationship? Um, and I, I can understand both the, the good things and the, you know, the challenging things when you don't yeah. speak directly to the customer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something. So I've got a lot of questions here, so let's just, <laughs> let's just get started. So yeah. first of all, let's go back a ways. So do you think being a non-traditional student in college you got better grades because of that uh absolutely i knew what yeah. to focus on and i i wasn't going to put 
myself through it if I didn't do well. That yeah. was it. It was a deal with myself. It was all yeah. for myself at that point. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's it. I I did in my first my undergraduate uh, degree that I got. I you know it was you know coming out of high school kind of thing. But then I went and waited a few years and did the graduate work. Uh, it was amazing how I, I I magically got smarter because I actually applied myself. Yeah. And I was just curious when you were saying you're non traditional, and it's and it, because it's right. You know, you you you. I'm I'm here to, to get focus in and get this done. So that's off the topic, but it's just something I was curious about. So when you when you know you had this experience, so this this is cool. So Cyrus is going direct to customer. You're doing that. And so what kind of equipment, first of all, were you selling? Because I, I think of mining equipment. I think of, I, you know, I being around in the Midwest where I grew up in, in Wyoming and Montana, the big strip mining stuff. So what what were they selling? Well, initially we were selling shovels, drag lines and drills. So your surface mining products. So it's big um, stuff. The big stuff. Absolutely. And then uh, we had several, uh, you know, um, acquisitions of our our own while I was with Bucyrus. So we uh, we acquired the Terex mining division. So we got more surface out of that. Some drills and the electric shovel. And then um, then we we acquired DBT, which was the underground underground business. And that's really when we became very attractive to Caterpillar because yeah. now we had the full scope surface and underground for these large mining companies, you know, billion, yeah. billions, billions of dollar companies who yeah. they do surface mining, they do underground mining. So we could offer something that no other company at the time could offer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That, that's, that's cool because it, it, you know, the, well, and you think of the service needs, the service needs on something that absolutely positively has to run 24 um, seven forever, basically, or have very planned and very short downtimes uh, is, is much different than someone's car at their home that if it doesn't run, it, it may not be a big deal for a few days, you know, That's and, right. uh, and in those, in those 24 seven operations like that, it, it makes a huge difference. Uh, just yeah. uh, just a little bit. So yeah, the, uptime is critical depending on the you know the the mining operation and the ore that they were that they were in. It, an hour of lost time could be a hundred thousand dollars or more. Yeah. Um, so you didn't want to be responsible for not getting the parts to your customer on time to get their equipment back up and running for sure. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. So when you looked at the and then the the other thing that you were talking about that was very interesting is the direct model compared to the distribution model. So Bucyrus was selling direct to the end customer. Um, what did you like and dislike about that model? Uh, and then we'll talk about the distribution model and some of the challenges in that. Yeah. I, you know, I personally love being customer facing. So I do think that when you um, get to spend time with the customer and understand their problems and challenges and be able to truly relate that back to your business and try to identify solutions. There's something special about that. And of course, uh, there's a higher margin level when you're not working through a distributor. So um, the margin, the margins are different when you do it well and you perform well, there's a, a larger opportunity for the manufacturer at that point. Yeah. So, 
I yeah. love to talk to customers. I, I love the customer facing aspect. Yeah. So the distribution model then, what were some of the challenges that that put into, into play for you? You know, first I had to understand the Caterpillar way of business. And I did come to understand that for Caterpillar, their distributors are their partners and customers as well. So, um, you know, the, the difference is that they get to hold them accountable to things that typically when you're a manufacturer uh, fighting to earn your customer's business, you're not holding your, your customer accountable. Whereas uh, Caterpillar could hold their distributors accountable to certain things. Yeah. And that would relate to discounts and support and other things that they would get. But I, I will say that the biggest challenge that we had was the the, the different way in which uh, the two companies, their product lines were. And let me describe that. So Caterpillar um, produces mining trucks and, you know, they, they produce several different models, but they yeah. produce thousands of them. So their product line was high commonality with a larger turnover, which was very easy to have inventory to support the fleet that's operating. Okay. Yep. In the Bucyrus world, I think our largest year was that we produced 27 shovels in one year. Outside of that, we were yeah. producing, you know, depending on the year and the demand in mining, you might have a five shovel year, a 15 shovel year, you know, a 24 shovel year back to 18. And then that 27 was a high. So and you have multiple models, again, depending on the, the, the size of equipment that's needed. So it's the size of the bucket. So the, the, the inventory planning for Bucyrus was very different yeah. than a planning on a, on a Caterpillar side. And what we had to do was teach the dis distributors how to plan with the customer in the same way that we had learned to do it through all our subsidiaries, because essentially what we did is we divested all of our subsidiaries to the dealers and that now they were responsible for that business, but they were used to this Caterpillar model where you needed the inventory and it was available and there were trucks coming off the line always. So even if inventory was low in one area, production was always planning for it. So there was this opportunity, whereas uh, on the on the Bucyrus side, it was slightly different. And, and I think that was a challenge for everyone because, um, you know, the customers now had to go look at the dealer for support and the dealer was still learning that product, uh, you know, the different product line and understanding these challenges and ramping up with their own service personnel to be able to support this different type of equipment. So, those were the challenges, you know, yeah. to keep these customers in the uptime that you referred to earlier. Um, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. You're, you're keeping yeah. that, those production units running. And there's a big learning curve when you, when you transfer that much product to a distribution network and you no yeah. longer have that in-country uh, service people available. Yeah, that had to be quite a challenge. And it's a completely different model when I've got thousands of units compared to 
tens of units. Yes. And and uh, you can't just throw inventory everywhere around the world and, and you don't know it's going to sell. You got to strategically plan where it goes and and like and like with that low volume inventory, some of it's very 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 expensive that you're not going to have. You're not going to want to spend the money to keep inventory at every location either. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff for sure. So all of a sudden you're not all of a sudden, but you're sitting here at Caterpillar one day and, and you just go, Hey, let's go start an e-commerce platform for OEM manufacturers. I mean, how th let's talk about the, you came up with this idea and, and with some other friends, you co-founded this thing. So let's, let's hear about that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, what we had realized is that we were doing something special to help grow the aftermarket uh, back in our Bucyrus days. And a lot of it was focused on solving problems for our customers. Mm -hmm. And we knew that one of the biggest challenges for customers was in planning and it was the support between customer service and the business that that needed uh, your parts and service support. So the, the equipment mm -hmm. operator. So we thought, well, what if we could, and, and I will say that the other aspect that we saw as a challenge is that when a product left the factory, typically it was moving with a static manual that went, went with it, right? So in those days, you know, for a shovel, we had three manuals that went. So it was one of three, two of three, three of three. And they were these yeah. very thick manuals. Those old six and inch it, thick things that they used to put with equipment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these things would ship out when the equipment shipped and immediately they were, they would be outdated because things are always changing back at the factory, uh, obsolescence, supersession, upgrades, changes, those things were very difficult to communicate back to the equipment owner. So what would happen is you'd go visit the, the mine and you'd sit with that equipment owner and you'd be planning and they would pull out their parts book and they had sticky notes everywhere within these parts book because they were crossing out part numbers, writing the current part number. And you might see three cross outs because that, that piece of equipment has been operating for 15 years. Yeah. So over the 15 years, they've got this old manual. It's sitting in one area of the business. So everybody has to go into it, check the manual when they're looking for things. So that was a big challenging area. So they would come in, say they, they needed a part quickly and they didn't know the part number. Uh, and sir, answering the question on what part number they needed was a big challenge. So we initially started Gen Alpha with the idea of let's improve that process. Let's make sure that equipment owners have access to the latest information inside the ERP related to the equipment they own. Because every piece of equipment is either identified by a serial number, a VIN, a model, something unique that mm -hmm. they reference to say, this is the product I own. And then they start to describe the problem that they have to help identify what product they need. So we thought if we could take, and there was technology out there available to take uh, bills of materials and 2D and 3D drawings and repurpose them, you know, reduce the file size, 
introduce some hot spotting, so some interactive identification of the parts so people could see this visually. So basically turning yeah. that static manual into an interactive image where they can look at the 2D drawing and hotspot to it or interact with a 3D model and just click on the parts within the 3D model and it would tell them in the bill of material which part that is. And the cool thing about that is that through an integration to the ERP, you could get the latest update on the changes that have occurred to that part over time. So part number four might be legacy part one, two, three, but the current part number is four, five, six. Yeah. And through integration, we were able to quickly show that. So that was helping people improve the identification and solve that problem. And that, that was the first problem that we set out to achieve. And then when, once we did that, we recognized, okay, we can repurpose engineering bills and materials, 2D, 3D drawings. We can make this interactive. We said, well, we might as well have a button. We're already integrated to the ERP. Let's give them price and availability and allow them to add it to their shopping cart. So that's where e-commerce came in is that we had this e-catalog with e-commerce built around it but it, it was limited e-commerce at the time. Um, and that was, those were the problems we were, we were setting out to achieve. We thought we could ease the process of doing business with a manufacturer by updating this process so that customers were no longer having to go find that one manual that's old and outdated, but rather go to a safe place online with their credentials and just by entering their serial number or their VIN, get full access to the current bill of material. So that was the original goal and design. Well, and, and in doing that too, you just made the support mobile, which mm -hmm. is a huge deal, especially if you're working in, in construction or mining or something where you can be all over and carrying a, you know, six inch thick binder with you out to a shovel that's, two miles from the maintenance place or whatever you're doing that's that 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 all just adds to the complexity whereas uh you know a, a tablet or a laptop uh, in, the, in the right setting is is right there beside you to make sure that you've done you found the right things and then then if you go beyond it and think about the maintenance and other things that you can help with that same kind of online data it's it it's a very powerful portal to provide to the end customer which ultimately, as you talked about the people around the table to help you sell, that system is another person almost sitting at the table that is a, a dramatic differentiator between you and someone else. Yeah, it is the tool, right? Yeah. It's a tool that uh, is used by the end user, but there's so many other areas of the business benefiting from it as well. Customer oh, service yeah. can use it, technical service. Yeah. Well, if a technical service person is standing out at the machine, just to your point, now they can pull out their tablet, be right on that piece of equipment. And, you know, things that we've introduced into the product are roles based uh, type of uh, different roles. When you log in, you get to do different functionality. Yeah. So a technical service person might not have the authority to buy, but they have the ability to be at the customer's place of business on that factory floor or in the mining pit, looking at the equipment, adding the things that they need to their cart under, th under that customer's account number, 
Yeah. And very quickly turning it into a quote that's now sent to that maintenance engineer. Wow. Yeah. So that when they leave the inspection site, your quote with the parts that you need for the, for the repair is is all in your email. Yeah. And now all that maintenance engineer has to do is maybe send it over to procurement and say, please get these out, these on order. And through this roles-based login, the procurement person logs into the e-commerce site, sees the quote because it's under their account, and they just convert the quote into an order. So the admin for all of that is taken away. And now they've safely have the parts that they need uh, and, and can be on their way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting when you when you see how the origins of things really, you know, how they come together, the origins of things and how they come together. And you were trying to solve one problem then you're like, Oh, we get to this point. And if we just add e-commerce, that's even better. And now you're talking about how adding the roles and thinking of how you better serve the customer with e-commerce by with a, with an e-commerce solution by doing this and, and uh, giving people certain abilities is really cool because the, the, the applications are, are really, mind-boggling first of all i said here my brain just rolls into i mean because you look at things you, you just look across the board you go okay cnc machines you look at at snow plows you look at what whatever you're building you know that's really right. whatever you're building that's a, a a larger kind of oem purchase uh or oem kind of product and it really is cool how you can drastically change the way that that after the sale support and service is handled. Yeah. And, and I would, you know, it's so interesting too, because we, we saw for the catalogs, now you're getting safely to the parts that you need. Now yeah. you can add them to your shopping cart. You can create an order, check out, you're done. And then we went further and said, okay, now they need access to that purchase history so that they don't have to call customer yeah. support to know when the product is coming, when it's shipped, they're tracking information. So you just keep chipping away at all the reasons they called your customer support to free up the customer support from some of those tactical yeah. routine yeah. activities so that they could be moved off and work working on maybe some of the data analysis that can come yeah. with an e-commerce site or they can be answering the more challenging problems. Yeah. Because I'll tell you the challenging problems, and this was true for us in Bucyrus too. You know, you you got so many emails, faxes, and phone calls a day, and that you were getting to as many as you could. And the easy ones were the ones you took care of the fastest. And usually yeah. that was price and availability, create the order, create the quote, and then just on to the next one. Well, the ones where it was challenging to, truly identify the right part and you needed somebody maybe in technical support or an interpreter to go and look through the data yeah, yeah. get an engineer. So the delays wow. in all of that, that's where time was missed and customers would become very unsatisfied. So you're able to give a better customer experience when true challenges come up and they will aftermarket yeah. support is all about solving problems, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean all your problems go away, yeah. <laughs> but it helps uh, ease the process of doing business with you for all the routine activities for sure. Yeah, that's incredible because I think about, you know, the system and that, and when you look at the, there, there are so many additional challenges that you're going to be able to look at and help customers solve in these things. Um, 
that are relate back to the kind of Bucyrus stuff. And when you think about operating hours or, or, you know, just, and, and if I, the customer could update my operating hours in the system every so often on these kind of service things that you have to provide, yeah. uh, it just, there's just so many different things you can do. It's really cool. Yes. Mind boggling. So let's, let's switch over a little bit to the, to the e-commerce part of this, because, you know, that the e-commerce came out of this, but really as you move into e-commerce, there, there are things that you can do in e-commerce that, that you, A, that's more difficult to do in traditional sales mm -hmm. and B, there's some, there's some, you know, some different advantages and, and challenges to e-commerce. So what are some of the things that you see that, that, adding the e-commerce and and going from more traditional sales-based support in aftermarket sales and moving that more onto an e-commerce platform, what are some of the things that you really see companies uh, enjoying and benefits from that? Yeah, the first place I would start is the ability to be proactive, okay? Uh, these aftermarket departments, uh, no question, they are bombarded with things from their customers yeah. all day long. And uh, you could have the best intentions that you want your customer service reps to be able to talk about, you know, if they're asking for this, uh, see if they also need these parts. First, many of those customer service people just don't even know the equipment well enough to know how to make those relationships, right? So, um, it, and it, maybe there's a new product upgrade or you're you're running a promotion in a given month uh, and or maybe you have some aged inventory and you're trying to turn your aged inventory. These things, while you might talk to your customer service team about them, again, they're so busy that they rarely have an opportunity to know, does this opportunity fit with this customer in the equipment that they own? So, yeah they are they just don't have time to be proactive in a in a selling tool like e-commerce where you have the ability to do promotions and product rep uh product recommendations like bundling upselling cross-selling uh you know essentially it's the suggestive selling based on what a company uh customer is looking for that is very proactive yeah, because you you get to put all of that into the system and automate it. So when they are looking for the that bearing, the seals, nuts and bolts that go with that bearing are also offered to the customer where, again, your customer service rep who's been in the role for a year, never even yeah. seen that drag line. Operating, yeah. They wouldn't know. They and don't know that needs to go with it. Yeah, that's right. So um, you get to leverage the value, you know, in every business you have, I'll, I'll say a Bob, right? So Bob knows the equipment really well. He's probably been with your company as a manufacturer for 20, 25, maybe 30 years. And he, he can rattle off SKUs. He doesn't just know today's SKU. He knows what it was 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, right? yeah. He, but, but you need to take all that information that Bob has and get it somewhere so that yeah. it can be a benefit to all your customers and we're not all relying on Bob and his knowledge and what's up here. So uh, that 
proactive is is one thing that we have found customers get the benefit from. And Go and ahead. when you talk about that, I'm sitting here thinking about that same system that helps that end customer that wants to do it by e-commerce see that also helps the human interaction if they want to call you because your your inside customer service people really to be efficient should be on a similar screen seeing similar things to to because then they become a lot smarter it's almost Amen. like you put you put ei in them or ai in them and and you just you just increase their intelligence on that piece of equipment and they didn't even realize it. but then in the distribution model you've just given that that intelligence then to the people at the distribution that's that's not what they've learned through tribal knowledge or anything else it's direct from the manufacturer to the distributor. So yes. your, your quality of information overall at that service level is much higher because we're using a common system that's, that is going, okay, uh, Dave or, or Sue, you need this part for this shovel. It's like, you need these other three parts too. And by the way, you better oil, order this kind of oil. We don't stock it, but you're going to need that too. You know, and you just give them all that kind of stuff. So they understand what and make them successful. Right. Just because you use that information to upgrade everyone's knowledge throughout the chain, because we're talking about e-commerce, but this really gives the human interaction a much higher level of service as well. Yeah. And, you know, that that touches on something else that you get to do with a tool like ours, which is several different levels of personalization. Right. So mm -hmm. most of the companies that we're working with have a group of customers. These are the installed base owners of your equipment. So they already have accounts with you. Yeah. Typically they're logging in with their credentials. The beautiful thing about that is you can assign the equipment they own to that account. So they're not looking at the noise of all the units you've ever built and have to go search through all of the units. Yeah. Nope. They're seeing the specific, you know, if they have a fleet of equipment, that's what they see. Um, and so they can safely go in and, and look at their equipment. They can favorite parts. They can favorite yeah. machines. They can set up shopping lists. So if uh, whether it's a dealer who comes back regularly and does a stock order, maybe the stock order is for consumables in one month and every three months they do uh, other types of yeah. uh, safety stock type order. So now they have these shopping lists. So they're not, hunting and pecking and finding what they need. Once they've established, hey, this is what we need from this manufacturer on a regular basis, all they have to do is uh, push their shopping list to the shopping cart and check out. And now it's easy for them. Um, yeah. Auto reorder. Yeah. So now you're personalizing with the ability for them to auto reorder. Similar type of concept, but now yeah. the order is just going through on a regular basis. So the levels of personalization that you can do because you're uh, because you're now in an e-commerce envir environment where you know the account, you know what equipment they own, um, you know their pricing, you know what region of the business uh, yeah. they're in, all of this becomes very powerful. And then the beauty is all the data that you're capturing yeah. when your customers are coming and using your site. So... Uh, you know, I say this all the time, but there is no greater level of data that you can get than having an e-commerce platform today for aftermarket uh, and equipment manufacturers. You know, 
we sliced and diced our data at, at Bucyrus to really get finite and look for opportunities, whether they were margin opportunities, yeah. uh, growth potential opportunities, uh, even things that were in our industry that we might not manufacture, but were accessories to the industry we were in so that we could be a third party uh, supplier for that. Yeah. So, but you know, the data that you get on the customers who are doing business, particularly, and you and I have talked about this, you know, what are they searching for and automatically buying? Every time they come to your site, maybe they don't even use the search bar because again, they're using their shopping list. Yeah. Or they've favorited. They're just checking out. They're consistently buying. They're not checking price. It's like every time they need it, they come to you for it. Well, if that's the case, those are opportunities to raise the price, right? And we always look for where are the areas where we can raise prices rather than, oh, we're going to raise 5% across the board. And then maybe yeah. we have some parts that start falling out because people, that's no longer an attractive price point, right? The other thing you see is all of the searches that are happening on your e-commerce site, and then they're not buying. So that search to order hit rate if you if you say okay they've been searching in the last three months for these parts and maybe it's 10 are coming to, rising to the top go evaluate those 10. did you have inventory for the 10. if you didn't a nice first step is just try to put some inventory on the shelf and see if that creates the conversion right so yeah. now uh, likely people are going to come back and search in the next three months. Now, by having inventory, did you get the, did you get the sale? If yeah. you didn't, you, so you've corrected inventory. That's going to tell you that there's probably something wrong with your price. People are still searching for it and they're not buying it. And you have it on hand because in our world, equipment and aftermarket parts, availability of product does sell. We see it all the time. You know, usually yeah. most people are not planning. Uh, as much as we tell them to plan for their future maintenance, most are reacting to failures that are happening with the equipment and they need those products quickly. So you have them, you sell them. If you don't, you may miss out if there's an alternative supplier that can help them. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so cool because I think that you 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 know touched on a few things here about about that and and the the one that I I didn't realize until we were talking earlier this week about it is really how this data that you you're gaining from the the e-commerce allows you to really understand a what your customers want and maybe you don't have b that your customers want and they and you probably have opportunities for price increases or on the other too, if it's something that people search a lot and they don't ever buy, you know, and there is inventory, maybe you need to look at, do we have room to, to get our prices more in line if there's other opportunities for them to buy from other places. So it, it's really interesting. But the, the one thing that talking today really opened my eyes on was the fact that you can really significantly upgrade your knowledge level of your entire support staff by doing this because yeah. your, your service person in the field just got smarter. Your customer service person just got smarter. The, the uh, distribu distributors just got smarter. Your repair person that that's in a, you know, some, it's, it just, it, it's pervasive throughout the, the company by the data, the way you utilize the data. Yeah. And you're right. Um, you know, training 
is a big challenge. As yeah. we have more of the baby boomers who are moving out and there's going to be a great exit here as we get into 2025 through 2028, a, a lot of retirement of those people that carry that. Um, I think, uh, oh, they call them oak oak trees or something in Caterpillar. Those were the people that had been there a long time, had roots yeah. and everything else, right? Yeah. But as you, you get in these generational uh, groups who move around from company to company, they, they're going to spend a short period of time uh, if you can keep them there longer and give them a great career and, and show them and keep educating them and showing them opportunities and have a digital uh, a digital way for them to learn, that is the way in which they do learn. You're helping them help your customers in, in a way that's uh, very different than uh, historically what we've been able to do as OEMs. Yeah, so yeah, the training aspect uh, that comes up all the time. And uh, especially today where there's a talent gap. Yeah, um, yeah. Many manufacturers are struggling to bring in talent. And if you don't have tools like uh, Equip, which is the solution we offer, then you're missing out on a very visual way to help these people quickly understand your products and what they what they do. Now, the list that and and we've got a few minutes here before we wrap up, and I but I want to cover this one topic because we we talked about it a little bit, and I didn't realize this from a sales standpoint and a business standpoint of of both top line and, and profitability. Do you see that when they implement this these kind of systems that that they're able to grow their sales and the profitability or, or what really happens when they do that? Because I, I, I just, I'm curious about that because this is a, this is a, it's a sizable investment, no doubt. But when you could, if you're, we've talked about the training thing and I think that's just phenomenal what that would do to, to, to consistency of that across an organization and that's going to drive dollars. But what are you guys seeing as you would implement systems like this across industries that that you're driving top line and profitability in these these things absolutely um you know and i will say that the transition to e-commerce is a transition so yeah, yeah. Uh, manufacturers should not expect the moment they turn on their e-commerce site that everybody comes right and that's just not and mm -hmm. many times your customers won't even know that it's quite available to them yet until they need that next interaction with you. Yeah. So th it, there's time in this. What we find is that, uh, you know, manufacturers who make this first available to their distribution network have high levels of, of adoption and efficiency grows everywhere. Okay. And what's interesting about this and it it's true for both when you sell to a distributor or you're selling direct or you're yeah. doing a mixed channel and offering both is that because your pricing is coming out of the system as standard pricing and there's no mediator in between whether that be the salesperson or the customer service person so there's no um accepting of the customer's PO, which might have a price point that's slightly lower than yours, but people are just accepting it and putting it in the system. When they enter those orders at the standard pricing that you have, even if it's their, uh, their pricing, typically the online orders have a higher margin than the offline orders. So that is a level of profitability that we see right there. And, and you should expect that. Additionally, because of some of these uh, things that we talked about, like bundling, product recommendations, and other things, 
there's new ways to increase that average order value. So um, of course, every manufacturer is trying to find new ways to benefit from existing clients and e-commerce can certainly help you with that. So your average order value is going up because you're offering additional products. Think about even that 3D drawing. So I'm safely in the assembly. I know I need the motor and maybe uh, the gasket around the connection to where that motor fits is a little flimsy and should be shot. Well, because I'm in that 3D drawing, I see the gasket number right there too. So I'm not just gonna buy the motor, I'll buy the the the, the uh, bolts and nuts and I'll buy the gasket and I'll make some changes so that I've, I fully uh, can put it back together with some new components around it. Now, before, if they're just like, oh, my motor, you know, it's Friday. That's I, a I great need point. More, get on the, so they are, they have the ability to add those additional items. So average order value goes up. Order accuracy goes up um, because customers aren't guessing, customer service departments aren't guessing, the integration to the ERP with the current part number, you're having fewer returns because of uh, that the accuracy goes up as well. So yeah. those are some very key profitability metrics that we see as more and more business transitions to e-commerce. And what you find is that when you start seeing these results as a business is you say, whoa, well, if we could get people more over to e-commerce than going through these other channels and reserve those channels for other uh, more critical activity or complex activities, yeah, it's better for our business. And you start getting momentum and people who are are behind the e-commerce initiative because e-commerce is still something new for many manufacturers yeah and some people on the sales team might view it as a threat when in reality it's an opportunity for everyone and should be considered an opportunity for the sales force as well making their job much easier um, and giving them uh, better opportunities to grow their own commissions as well yeah yeah yeah, that's something because, I, you know, when we when we started thinking about this conversation and I was preparing for it, I was thinking about, you know, yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to add the OEMs and, you know, so it's ease for customer orders or whatever. But really, when you think about the the way it can increase the intelligence of everyone in, that's involved with the system, I mean, yeah. that's that's massive. I, I think that's massive. And then when you talk about the ways that you can you can increase the order size and and the and and really the support to the customer so they're getting everything they need. They don't have to, you know, come back or order the wrong thing. Um, it's yeah. really pretty incredible. And speed, speed, yeah. Yeah, you know, we're also we expect everything now, right? Yeah. It's just the way that we are. So if you can free up even just a portion of your customer service uh, department today and, and allow this self-service because I love to talk about e-commerce systems as self-service portals where customers can go to get their information. They're not just ordering. It's not just a place for transactions. They're getting yeah. all that information around their equipment, any maintenance videos, any support documentation, yeah. any yeah. MSDS, any uh, operator's manuals, all of that is safely there. All my yeah. tracking information when my orders are coming, copies of my invoices, paying my invoice, right? Think about 
the the level of calls and emails that are coming to your oh. to do that. And think yeah. about today when you can't find enough good people to staff and customers because of supply chain issues are are more frantic about when are my things coming and they want to know things. If you had this portal for them to go and, and look at this detail, they wouldn't need to bombard your teams and they could be focused on those supply chain issues. Yeah. So, so much yeah. opportunity here. Uh, it's it's super interesting when you start to look at it and how how OEMs can really grow their grow their aftermarket sales with e-commerce. And and I, I talk about sales, but grow grow the you know, the effectiveness of their, of their support and really enhance the brand by giving people the, the self-serve option, better service and, and the way they can, because the data gets in the hands of the people that need it. That's right. So for these OEMs, this becomes a big differentiator when the customer is thinking yeah. about that equipment has reached its useful life and now they need to replace, they need a new fleet uh, of equipment, right? Are they going to go to the next guy or are they going to come back to you because your service, your support, the tools that you have after you own the equipment are so yeah. valuable to them? They're not going to take the risk of moving to another alternative. They're coming back to you to give you the business again. So now you're not just winning on the aftermarket. You're also keeping that OE business and, and that next new piece of equipment. So yeah. that's the key behind all of this. Yeah. Ultimately, it's not just an aftermarket sale; it's an OE sale too. Yeah, is get the get the new product sales and then get the aftermarket right after it and keep the cycle going. So you got it. It's, Chris, it's been so awesome to talk. I mean, we could spend another hour here easy or more because it, <laughs> it just it 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 really is amazing at, at the the where this came from how you, you guys saw a need and then stepped out and, and built this, this platform to be able to support it. Um, so if people want to learn more about Gen Alpha, learn about what things are going on, what's the, what's the best way to reach out? Well, please go to genalpha.com. That's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A.com. We have a ton of resources out there. Um, not only do we want to sell our e-commerce platform and help manufacturers grow, but we we are constantly putting out content to help these companies in all areas of aftermarket. That that really is our focus. So uh, we've got a newsletter. If you want to sign up for cool. our newsletter, um, you can do that. You can also find us on LinkedIn at Gen Alpha Technologies. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Again, this faces a business with Chris Harrington from Gen Alpha. Thanks so much. I appreciate you stopping by and sharing your knowledge on growing uh, OEM manufacturing sales with e-commerce. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Thanks Thank for being you, here. You bet. Appreciate Have a it. great, great evening, everyone.